2: Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports coaching. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Dell DJ Layden. DJ is a former top NBA 2K competitive prospect turned professional NBA 2K league coach. He's entering his third season as a head coach of Kingsguard Gaming, which is a Sacramento Kings NBA 2K League franchise. In this role, Coach Layden handles all of the team scouting, player personnel decisions, and coaching. He's also the head coach for the high school varsity basketball team, Faith West Academy in Houston, Texas, and has previously coached in numerous AAU youth basketball circuits. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Justin. How's it going, man? Good, good. I'm glad you could join us and talk a little about eSports coaching.
3: Yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit. Uh, how how things going? Thanks for having me good. on the show, by the
2: way. Good, man. Good. You know, it's Friday and we're pushing forward into this, you know, that, I guess quarter four of the year. And we're going to explore the 2K League. So, you know, the NBA 2K League was a franchise league formed by Take-Two, which is the game developer and the NBA. It just finished its third season. It started with 17 teams and has expanded since, including bringing in esports organization Gen G to operate a Shanghai team. The competition is a live 5v5 Pro Am mode with each of the players housed in market. They receive about $35,000 salary plus prizes and other health insurance. And while there's no official NBA 2K minor league or amateur talent system, many unaffiliated independent competitive or comp leagues have been organized and operated by third parties. Two of the most prominent ones are the WR League and the MBPA. These leagues award prizes, compile stats, and present awards. Also recently, there's been a very big international growth in the competitive 2K world, and including Team USA holding tryouts for the upcoming FIBA World Championships. So Now we know a bit about the NBA 2K scene. Tell us a bit about your previous esports and sports experience.
3: Uh, yeah, um esports wise, um, honestly, this is my first kind of jab at it. Um, going into my now third season um, in Sacramento, um I've had no prior esports at least being in the actual business. Um obviously I played I've played 2K since forever, but um, this is my first kind of jab at being in the the business side of it, um, being a head coach for the team, and uh, I love it, man. Um, you could say I, I'm a video game nerd. I'm a competitive guy. Anything to do with sports and, and video games and real life basketball, um, I'm a nerd for that stuff. So uh, when I had opportunity to uh, join Sacramento, it was a no brainer for me, and um, it's been great ever since.
2: So did you play sports um, during high school, or what's your past experience? Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, growing up, man, it was always basketball for me. I, I I dabbled in other ones, but um basketball was always the one that kind of, you know, made me want to be really good at it, or be the best I could be. Um growing up, I played uh I played in high school, played 2 years of junior college on scholarship. Um in college um and then from there after I kind of hung it up, um per se, uh I really just went after coaching because I loved the game so much and uh, when I knew I wasn't going to play at the highest level anymore, I just you know really wanted to dedicate myself to to being the best coach I could be. I felt like I knew the game at a high level and I could use what I knew and how I felt and how I kind of had a feel for the game, and put that with the youth, uh, kind of getting younger guys better at the game, letting them know what I know. Um, and that's kind of been my, my go-to, my passion ever since. Um, really, like, the last say about six years um it's been non-stop coaching for me in the summer in the fall um really six years straight of coaching and it's kind of the reason why where i'm at right now in the the esports scene as well being technically at the highest level of coaching that you can get as far as esports you know um especially in the 2k league i'm at the highest level so I think those six years of just dedicating to coaching has really got me to where uh, I want to be, but there's still more for me. I
2: think. Absolutely. So, what about the gaming side? Have you been a lifelong gamer, or you know what's that? Yeah,
3: about? yeah. No, I definitely. I've been playing. I've been playing video games for forever, man. We always had it in the house growing up. Um, me, and my sister would play. Um, I would play with just friends that you know lived on the same street as me. Um, really, just just nonstop. And I, I used to play shooting games and, 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 and Mario and all those things. But when I got a little bit older, I just strictly just sport games because I was just always had that competitive side and always wanted to, you know, growing up playing sports that just kind of always stuck with me. So, uh, 2k, um, I think the first one, I, I don't remember what year it was, but it was on the Dreamcast. I remember that I used to play on Dreamcast. <laughs> And uh, ever since then, man, just every new game came out. I always, I always had it the first night it came out. Um, still to this day, first night it comes out, I make sure I have it pre-ordered. I load it up on, on the first night, play it for a couple of hours. Uh, it's just something I love to do. and very passionate about. So, Well,
2: yeah, it really definitely sounds like my story. I'm definitely a big sports gaming guy. And for the last couple of years, definitely on that pre-order grind. How'd you get involved in the comp 2k scene?
3: Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a story because I actually had no idea it existed and hearing like guys like dimes and fab and all these guys have played together. They, they've been saying they played together since like early 2k's and I had no idea any of that existed. Uh, I, I low key, if I knew that, I feel like I would be a, I I feel like I would be an NBA 2K league player instead of a coach, because uh, I had no idea that stuff existed until around 2K17. Um, but I I started really playing competitively and like always tried to be like top of the leaderboards and even dabbled in like websites like Gamer Saloon and and things like that, just playing for money, just anything to keep it competitive as possible. Um, but around 2K8 was like the first year. Um, I think I was a, I don't know, like around a sophomore or junior in high school or something like that, um, and literally my days just consisted of school, practice, and then I'd come home, and play the game, <laughs> and every now and then hang out with friends and do things like that. But school practice and and play two K that that kept me out of trouble and <laughs> kept my head on a straight and it made sure I didn't get involved in anything I didn't need to. Um, but yeah, around 2K8 started playing competitively. Um, when crew mode came around in 2K10, 11, I forget what year it was exactly. Um, that really, like, really sparked my interest as far as like being able to play with a friend. Because before that, it was always like just one-on-one type stuff, right? Um, but around 2K11, 2K10, you could build a team actually. So you know, I'm playing with my close friends. We're competing at the highest level, playing other people fighting for like leaderboard positions, leaderboard spots um, to keep it kind of, you know, competitive. And like, you have something to play for now. Um, And that's what really sparked my interest leading up to 2K16, uh, where they had the uh, road to the finals tournament for 250,000. I was, at that time, I was kind of just playing with close friends um, and guys that I knew a little bit. Um, So we weren't like, the most competitive but i mean you can ask guys around the 2k league they know who i am like radiant be smooth were we're the main two guys who it was them too even guys that aren't in the 2k league that were very competitive guys like poppy germ you might have heard of him uh those those are some of the guys that we played in wr in 2k16 and i was i was head to head with radiant every every night and be smooth guys like that we would go at it every single night when we would play in playoffs. And regular season games um so that was like i didn't know there was community i just knew of wr that was the only thing and then it, it just grew and grew from there 2k 17 18 19 to where we are now where you could you could join 20 leagues at a time if you wanted to you have so many opportunities to to make a little money uh to just play against the best of the best and it's really grown it's crazy how much has grown since the early 2k days you know
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very interesting to see how it's evolved. And as you mentioned, some of these players that have been playing together for, you know, five, six, seven years and consistently fighting for Lido boards and gamer battles and all of these kind of tournament platforms that house these events.
3: Yeah, it's it's crazy how much it's grown. And it's really awesome to see kind of feel like you've been there from the beginning, you know? Like even WR, the funniest thing, I think it was 2K16. They had a rule, I think it was a rule, like they were really wanted to be a sim simulation like a a normal nBA game, right, um without a lot of cheats and and like cheese that you could do in 2kC. Mm-hmm. Um, they banned speed boosting <laughs> in two k sixteen like you weren't allowed to like do certain dribble moves and and do things like that, and it's crazy how it's just so funny to me how it went from the, like starting there till now you know, pretty much anything goes. Um, And guys have evolved like crazy as well as far as like Radiant. Like he's so much better than what he was back in the day. Um, It's just crazy to see these guys evolve into the players they are now. And now Radiant's looked at as one of the best point guards, if not the best um, in the world, which is crazy.
1: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
2: So, what was it like transitioning from you know the competitive gaming side to coaching pro gamers?
1: Um,
3: yeah, it, you know, it was a, it felt like an easy transition for me. Um, I think my biggest kind of, I think the biggest thing for me is I can kind of relate to them, right? Um, so I know what they go through on a day to day. Um, I know the stresses involved in the game, uh, kind of the ins and outs of it. Um, so I feel like the transition from playing to to coaching these guys it, it it made it easier for me. I'm not just like a guy just coming in from um, let's just say like coaching real life basketball. Um, I think the transition would have been a little bit harder if I had no 2K experience. I feel like I have an advantage there. Because um, I know how the game plays and know what the players go through. Uh, so that transition is pretty, pretty easy for me. Um, at least I felt like it was easy. Um, and my players seem to relate to me. I can relate to them. And I think that's what gives me personally an advantage as far as the coaching scene, just because I know um, what they go through on a day to day.
2: Sure. It's like, you know, you were competing against them a few years ago at this highest level. And you understand the stress of being in these tournaments and these comp games. and the pride of not just the money factor, but the pride of winning and playing your best game and, you know, what goes into mastering your craft. Right. Exactly. So yeah, discuss what's it like to be a 2k head coach? What's the day to day like, what's practice like?
3: Oh man. It's great. It's great. Especially, you know, being involved with the NBA team and a guy like myself, who just is a basketball nerd, um, getting a chance to work for an NBA team and, be involved in the gaming side, which is something else I love. It's like perfect dream job, dream job for someone like me. Um, But the day to day, pretty much, um, you know, I set up the schedule for practices. So, you know, I'll take the weekend or whatever day to try to set up the full week of practice. Um, We'll start our morning. I'll send out the schedule to the team um our we actually live in apartment complex um i have my own apartment and the players are our roommates they have two to each so three apartments two players in each apartment um and our apartment complex is about five ten minutes from the golden one center where the kings actually play their their regular season games um so we'll Take a quick Uber if it's raining, but most of the guys will walk or get like a scooter, uh, one of those Uber scooters, whatever. I forget what they're called, but (laughs) we'll take a bike or a scooter or something and just go down to the arena. Um, We'll start our day at practice. We usually start around nine to anywhere from nine to eleven. And we get about six hours of practicing of good, good scrimmages against other teams in the league. Um, Our days pretty much consist of that. And then in between, either in between series um, or after series, um, we depending on the situation, if it's a game day or if we have a game day coming up or if it's a bye week, whatever the situation is, we'll do different things. Um, we'll watch film. Uh, we'll sometimes just have a team meeting and just sit and talk about whatever issues we have going on, if there's a problem with players or if there's a problem that we're seeing on the court um i'm really big on letting guys speak their minds cuz I, I don't like anybody to hold in anything um i think it's better for the team it's better for the players if we can just kind of let it all out so sometimes we'll just have team meetings if there's any animosity um, and yeah i mean honestly that's how almost every day goes we have about 6 to 8 hours of practice depending on schedules and who i can schedule and how many you know how many teams i can get Cause you look at you look at guys, you're like, oh, I could play the game all day, right? But when you're actually like really grinding and setting up um, setting up scrims, like you start to get drained after that third <laughs> that third mm-hmm. series. It, it gets really tough mentally because you have to be at your best, right? Uh huh. You're not sitting around and just playing for fun. Like we're having fun, of course, but. You know, we're playing for we got a one point two million dollar prize pool. So every series, every game, every practice game is we're working on something, we're trying to be our at our best. Um it can get a little overwhelming mentally. Um uh, so another you know, another addition to the day, uh, if we have a off like an off period, we'll go eat lunch, we'll go to the gym, try to do things as a team. Um some of the guys you know, they enjoy. We have a, We have everything close to us in Sacramento. We have a lot of food places next to us. We have a 24-hour fitness right by where we practice. So a lot of guys, you know, clear their mind, go go play some ball, go work out, um, anything to keep them kind of fresh and on top of their game because these days can get long. And some days we, we're eating, especially when the game first comes out, we're in the practice room for about 8 to 10 hours. Once we kind of get a flow, it goes down a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's
2: a grind, man. Absolutely. So we talk a little about these scrims. I'm just thinking about if you're playing these other teams, like how competitive do they really get? Are you actually doing the plays you want to do and running the lineups? Like how much of it is gamesmanship and how much of it is like, okay, like we need to actually work on something. So it's okay if they see us doing it.
3: Yeah. So that's the tricky part, right? Because obviously you're not going to be scrimming anybody that you're playing coming up. Um, so I usually just have, like, a, a rule where I won't scrim anybody that we play, like, within a month. Because um, the NBA 2K League, the 2K League, it's, it kind of evolves throughout the season. Different metas come about, different lineups come about. Um, so anything can change within a month. So I try to stay away from teams that we play close. Um, but, yeah, the scrims, I mean, it's tricky because, you know, you don't want to show too much, but you also have, like, you have no choice. Um mm-hmm. You have no choice but to work on the things that you want to work on. So if it, whether it's a play that we want to run, um, knowing that other team could be recording, probably is recording and saving it. So when we do play eventually, um, that they, they can tell their team, "Hey, look out for this." Like that's part of the game, right? Um, and we do it as well. If teams run things against us, best believe we're saving it. We're putting it in our files, and when it's time to watch film on that team, we'll bring it up. Um, usually, guys don't really. Other teams don't really run the plays. They they practice so much, but we have it there just in case. Um, but yeah, it, they they are competitive. Like nine times out of ten, they're competitive. There's obviously you have your games where you know you're beating somebody really bad, and they might quit early or start <laughs> flopping and raging, and you could tell people are arguing. Um, but that's just part of it, you know. Sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it's a little unprofessional. And, uh, you know, I always make sure to tell my guys, like, let's try to finish every game. Sometimes, you know, if you're down 40 with like five minutes left, it's kind of (laughs) a mutual understanding on both sides where, okay, we we understand if you want to quit out. And we don't really stress on it too much. But sometimes, you know, you got guys quitting out early or situations where guys quitting out when they're cold (laughs) or struggling.
2: Wow, that's um, tough. It's like
3: you're a pro. You got to fight to the end, right? And, and it doesn't happen often, but you know, there's little, there's little times where and even my guys they get frustrated and want to quit, and you know, you just kind of tell them like, just play through it, do your best to play through it, keep fighting through, and uh, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, the scrims, man, it, it's a little strategy in them within the you know the scrimmage time. Like it's supposed to be practice, but there is some. There is some kind of strategy behind it. You don't want to show too much. Or maybe you just take a day where you're like, okay, this series, we're just going to try. We're just going to try things, whether it's plays or lineups or whatever it is. Um, And then there's some series where like, all right, we really got to tighten up. We got to get ready for the game. So we're going to run our normal lineup. We're going to run our our game time lineup. Uh, We're going to run the plays that we want to run. We're going to do this, We're going to do that. And uh, so it it varies depending on who we play, when we play, um, but yeah, um, there is a little strategies like we like you were saying with within those scrims.
2: Sure. So, what about player trades? I know that the league is about to be entering the next draft period and the trade window. So, what's that like?
3: Um, it's always a that's always a fun time in the two K league. <laughs> Um, trade deadline talk, trade window talk, always a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation, um, within the community from players, um, and, and fans, I feel like, how
2: does it work though? Like, is it like you guys message each other or that, you know, like how do these conversations happen?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, from the GM's perspective, the coach's perspective, we'll reach out to each other. Um, a lot of times, Um, teams, GMs or managers will just kind of be like, Hey, here's mine. And we have a chat with everybody, right? Um, Like a discord. So Mm -hmm. somebody will leave a message. Hey, here's my number. If you have any interest in any of my players or picks Uh, or whatever.
2: Trade block.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Just reach out to me. Um, So that's just kind of how dialogue starts. And it's also, you know, I think it's normal to kind of reach out to the guys you have good relationships with as well. Um just for example I I've, I've known Jeff from the Sixers um since our since our WR in 2K16 he was one of the guys we I would play against as well um me and him kind of have a similar story we've been playing the game forever we we have college basketball experience we've coached at the high school level and now we're in the 2K league so that's kind of one of the guys I relate to a little bit and if we're talking trades he's just He's usually a guy I'll hit up or same thing. He'll hit me up just to see if we have anything that, you know, that we might, you know, see if he has anything I'm interested in and vice versa. So, um, yeah, that's kind of just dialogue, relationships, building relationships, seeing, you know, if, if it's if a guy has somebody you want, you you hit him up and you see if there's a, a chance to get him, see what you can do for them. Um,
2: and, yeah, that's just kind of how it goes on that side. Absolutely. So I know we were kind of talking about, you know, the real in life, in real life basketball. So what are some similarities between coaching, you know, basketball and 2K basketball?
3: Uh, yeah, that was the one thing I was not worried about, but that was the one thing I was like, OK, uh, what can I bring from a coach's standpoint, from a real life perspective? Um, working with kids from junior high, even younger, actually. Um, I've done some summer camps with with kindergartners. (laughs) Uh, But from a competitive junior high to high school to even training with college and some NBA guys, what can I bring individually that can help 2K gamers, 2K players, you know, what, 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 could, what, what, what do I have to offer coming from that side to the 2K side? And when I sat there and thought about it, I knew going in, it wasn't necessarily going to be an X's and O's perspective. Because, I mean, even though it's possible, it's just not realistic to where a team is going to run plays like the NBA every time down on the floor, you know. This 2K game is, is based on a five-out setting or a pick-and-roll. A setting, so I know coming in, I'm like, okay, the playbook that I have, I'm gonna show my guys, and maybe we can take some things out of it. Um, some things, some things work on 2K, some things don't. You have no control over that; it's the way the game is. So I knew it wasn't gonna be a heavy exit and O's. Like I knew that wasn't gonna be something that I'm bringing to them. So for me, it was really just like we mentioned before, me having gaming experience. I felt like that was the biggest thing for me. Um, uh, so I can relate to these guys and I know what they go through, like you mentioned, uh playing, playing for money, playing in the biggest tournaments, playing every day, grinding, uh, getting your player up, grinding your player, uh, playing against the best of the best every night. So I, I understood that side of it. And then, you know, just I think the main thing is really just, you know, being able to talk to people, being able to kind of relating to players um, in real life basketball and not like my biggest thing is just building a respect, building building a relationship. Um, And my advantage is I've had experience doing that for years. And you look around the league and not a lot of, maybe not a lot of coaches have had that, you know? Um, So that's, that's kind of the biggest thing for me is just building that relationship with players from, from a real life coaching standpoint, but also on the side of the gamers, like I've been there as well before. So.
2: Absolutely. So what are some differences that you've noticed when you're trying to, you know, coach a more traditional basketball player versus some of the 2K pros?
3: Um, I think the, the biggest difference is like, well, there's a, there's actually like, you know, there's a decent amount of similarities as far as like how the games go. But, um, uh, cause there's, there's a lot of highs and lows. There's a lot of momentum, uh, changes and, and things like that. Um. Uh, But as far as, like, the differences, because there's a lot of similarities, and I feel like there's way more similarities than there are differences. Um, But the main ones really is just, like, I kind of almost have no control over the game in a sense, right? Um, I feel like in a high school coaching game, I can control it way more than I can control the 2K League. And also, these guys are pros, right? They don't need me as much as my high school team. My high school team, I'm dealing with guys from 15 to 18 years old. Um, some that can't even drive yet, right? So, like, I have to approach that game way differently and almost kind of help guide and help help these guys walk in, in a sense to where, you know, I'm calling timeouts. I'm calling plays out for them every time down. Um, I'm giving advice and and talking to them every single play down where you look at the 2k league side these guys are pros right they know what they're doing they're at the highest level and I'm not there to babysit them I'm not there to control their game Um, for example bash me and him had a lot of discussions on okay how much am I going to let you do your thing and how much are you going to listen to me as far as what I want as well and we we got to a point to where we had a really good balance of all right, Bash, I'm going to let you do you. I'm going to let you, you know, run your pick and roll, do what you need to do, call your cuts. I'm not I'm not going to be in your ear. But there's also times where I was like, okay, look, we need to do this. We need to get Seam the ball more. We need to let him run the offense more. Um, so that I think that's the biggest difference is my control over the game. A lot of it is just kind of letting these guys work and just giving a little bit here and there depending on the situation. And then also, you know, from from the real life side, I'm I'm involved in it every single play down. I lose my voice every game, sure. <laughs> yelling out things across the court, um, you know, calling out players, telling them what they need to do. Um, it almost feels like I'm playing sometimes <laughs> like I'm literally calling out, you know, for my high school guys, trying
2: to help them as much as possible. So that's the biggest difference for sure interesting so that's a little bit about kind of the scouting of the 2k players i know you're involved in the whole draft process and the evaluation for players so what are some categories that are really important to you that really when you're looking at a player like that's what i want to know
3: yeah um we're actually you know in the midst of it right now with league tournaments going on um and guys fighting for their draft spots and the biggest thing for me honestly when i'm looking at a player a, a lot of these guys can play at the highest level right a lot of these guys are really good um but what separates you like that's one thing i always look for in a player like how do you separate yourself from the rest of the guys and it's not easy at all it's one of the hardest things to do because i'm i'm watching these games and everybody looks the same you know everybody's doing the same thing on the game like a lot of these guys are just they're all good players and a lot of them have potential to make the league from a player standpoint but what are you bringing to the table that the guy next to you is 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 not doing like what's the difference here so when I look at it you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to see like how you are as a teammate I'm trying to see how do you do you effectively communicate with your team or are you just out there Because that was the difference with Crush. We took a lock at pick number three with a crazy, crazy, probably the best point guard draft of all time, where so many rookie PG's came in and had crazy numbers this year. Some of it is part of how the game played, but you look at that PG pool, Sav, Reg, um, Glenn, Kai, JBM, Duck, there's so many guys that Expose came in. Expose them. Expose them. Um, Snubby, like both, two guys on the on the Hornets. It's crazy, right? So many guys that came in and played well. And I know I'm missing probably at least five more. Um and we went with a lock. People thought, like, what are <laughs> they doing? They don't we don't even have a point guard and you need a point guard to be successful in this league. But I look at crush killing it at lock. And maybe even skill-wise, you could see, okay, there were some other locks doing the same thing as him, right? But he separated himself. He promoted himself. We knew what we were going to get out of him. We knew he- we were going to get a gr- first and firmo- first and foremost, we we're going to get one of the best people in the draft, not gamers, the best person. He comes to work every day. He communicates every single possession. um. He handles himself professionally. Like all the things that we look for building a franchise up and building a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a culture, right? Because mm-hmm. we've had to build, I pretty much feel like I've had to build a new culture after season one where it didn't work out for them. They had to kind of scrap everything they built in a sense. And we had to rebuild season two. And the challenge from season two on and the talks that I've had with my GM and everybody involved is like, we have to build a new culture and it starts with the players you bring in 100%. So um, culture guys, guys, that you know, that can effectively communicate, can not get too high, not get too low, even kill at all times. Um, those are the things that separate. You know, obviously you need a guy to be good at the game. I'm not going to draft a, I'm not just gonna draft you because you're a good person. Like you got to hmm. be good at the game as well, right? Like you mm-hmm. just have to be, um, especially with so much money on the line and not. There's only 23 teams, right? That's not a huge number. It's a good number, but it's not huge. So you have to get the best of the best. Um, but also, like you know, personality and and those things that they really matter. And, and that's just my perspective. Some coaches might not agree, um, but I think you know, you bring in good people, you get good results. So. That's the main thing I really look for in it. And we have a group of veteran guys now. We have Mamos who have been in the league four years now. Yusuf been in the league four years. And Crush has already kind of established himself. So we already have three good team guys. And
2: we know um, what we need to kind of put around them. Absolutely. So it seems like it's less about the on-court play and more about these intangibles. You know, how you are as a leader and a communicator are you marketable? I know everyone throws this word around, but it's the concept of like, can we put you in front of a camera and you can speak? And it's not like, wow. It's not like, what is this kid saying? Because I think something I noticed as a professional coming from the entertainment and sports world into the esports and gaming sphere, some of these players and a lot of them, they just really don't have that personality, that showmanship, that extra level of entertainer value that an entertainment product needs. And I think that what you're mentioning is you want people that are not just good at the game because that's a given, but you're also looking for these other unique aspects. What makes them more valuable than just their on-court performance? Right. And that's,
3: that's the goal, right? To get a guy that can do both. And you're not always going to get that. You know, there's not a lot of guys that, that can provide both. There's just not, um, not in this industry in my opinion, right now where we're at. I, I haven't seen it a lot. Um, we're lucky enough this year to where we have two guys that, you know, and Mama and and Crush who have really worked on building a brand, um, building a personal brand, you know, doing the YouTube. Mama is obviously at another level. You sign an endorsement deal, he's doing his thing. Um, Crush is just now getting his feet wet, but his his YouTube and his Twitch um has blown up and and literally just a couple months just from him making the league on so imagine if these guys keep doing it you know and they're both young both young guys so like that's you know you look for that a little bit um uh, we and and I know personally I'm not, I know I'm not always going to get both and that's perfectly fine sometimes I might just get a guy um we might just need a guy who is just a great player um but perfect world perfect situation finding a guy that you know can play the game at a high level but also Great teammate, great dude. Knows how to build a brand. Is marketable. Um, best of both worlds for for because you're not just representing yourself, right? You're, you're now representing an NBA organization, <laughs> and they see those things. Trust me, they notice those things. Um, we have a lot of people involved in the in the in the organization that is watching what we're doing, watching what you're tweeting, watching how you act in team events. Um, this year in COVID, we didn't really get to do much. Um, but the year previous, we went on um, team trips where, you know, we're doing things for sponsors and working with um, community groups and having to talk in front of people. And, you know, it helps when you know what you're doing and you, and you kind of, you know, know how to talk and know how to market yourself and things like that. It, it does help in the long run.
2: So. Absolutely. It makes it easier as a Sacramento Kings to put you in front of a community center, you know, a or you know, NBC that's covering you and not worry. Um, So when looking at a player, do you kind of value more of utility, being able to be more versatile and I can play a lot of positions great? Or do you look for someone who's more, I'm amazing at my one position where like I can shoot and I can shoot. I may not be able to, you know, play defense or, you know, play the wing as well, but what I do, I do at, you know, the top level you can.
3: Right. Um, I'm actually, you know, I think I noticed a lot of people in the league look for the guys that are versatile, which, don't get me wrong, is great. It definitely is great. Um, but my mindset has always been since I, since I came in and just been watching games, like, I want specialists. Um, and I might be giving the sauce out a little bit. but
2: So let's shift a little bit to kind of the whole draft process. So what's draft day like? I can imagine it's kind of like a fantasy football draft.
3: <laughs> draft day is uh super exciting, man. Like honestly, um in my 2 years, uh, there's probably probably like from the uh from like a, the outside of the game, that's probably the best the best time. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun uh, being able to, you know, we had the in our war room, we have all of our all of our information up we got the draft plan um it's always a great day fun day Uh, a little stressful as well because you always you know you always want to you always want to get your guys that you've been scouting and working and interviewing um and sometimes it works in your favor sometimes it doesn't uh but draft day is always a good time um it's such a great feeling when (laughs) when you can when, when it comes to your pick and your guy's still on the board and you can get exactly who you want. Uh, but draft day is great, man. Um, the process that goes into it, the scouting, the interviews, um, everything leading up to it, um, great experience for, for everyone involved. I'm, I'm sure the players, too, like they get to interview with, you know, however many interviews they get, but they get to interview with NBA teams. They get to kind of – if it's in person this year or – they get to you know walk up stage and wear the hat and have that feeling of a you know a real NBA draft. Um, it's just it's just it's awesome for the 2K League how they set it up and how they do it. Uh, I think it's a real plus. I think it's you know from the outside looking in, if I would if I saw that on TV or on Twitch or whatever, I'm definitely going to be intrigued by the league and what they have
2: to offer. So. Absolutely. I mean, I was in season two, I was live at the Barclays Center to really watch all of it unfold. And it was amazing. You got, it was like the real NBA draft or any other league draft where they call them up to the stage and they get off, (laughs) they get their hat and they get interviewed by, you know, the reporter. And it's as close to that as it's ever going to be. Yeah. Like, especially season
3: one. I mean, you had Adam Silver come up and and announce the first pick. Like, stuff like
2: that it's crazy to see you know so what's it like kind of playing against a player that you had scouted and then didn't get to draft do you feel like you have an edge on them or you know how do you feel about those situations um you're talking about guys that um yeah that like you maybe you scout and then maybe you didn't end up getting them and now they're on another team
3: okay um yeah <clears throat> excuse me um yeah that happens it happens a lot actually So um, we got guys that you scout for months, right? And, uh, you, you think you might have a chance at them or you might not depending on the situation. Um, and you build a relationship through interviews and talking to them and just be like, Hey man, you know, we're interested. We'll see what happens when draft day comes, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, sometimes it works out in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. For example, uh, um, my first year in Sacramento, um, I was really high on, on Yusuf. And, I personally thought there was no shot that we'd get him. Um, you know i he was a guy that I scouted a lot. I liked um that he was actually showing versatility because uh, at the time, all we had was Colt on the roster, and we knew we needed a little bit of versatility. Um, you know with with having the third pick, we knew we' were gonna get a point guard there. So it was our our main focus was really like, those late picks and Yusuf was a guy who was playing center, playing power forward, playing like an off ball lock and even a little bit of on ball lock. So we knew um, that he could, you know, we could move him around until we found something that fit him perfectly. Um, I thought there was no chance. I I really thought there was no chance to get him. But when our pick came around in the third, he was still available. Still, sorry, still available. Um, It was a no brainer for me. I, I I needed no time to talk about it. I told our GME and I said, "Put the call in." That's our guy. Uh, we had Colt in there as well, just talking with us and helping us out. And he liked it. And uh, you know, that actually, I feel like he's been a huge piece for our team these last couple of years. Uh, and you've seen it by the, the even the individual accolades he's brought in. You know, second team, first team all defense, second team all NBA. Um, he's been a huge. Huge pickup, and we got him in the third round. <laughs> so, draft day is crazy. You might be able to, you might get guys in the first round that flop on you, and you might get guys in the third and fourth round that become, you know, real staples for your team and uh, big pieces for the foundation you're trying to build. So, draft day is really unexpected. You don't really know how it's going to go. You don't, there's always rumors, and you always have an idea. Uh, by the end of the day, it's kind of, that's what makes it so fun, right? Because it's the unexpected the um, biggest thing was, was Kai going to Gen.G. There was rumors, <laughs> there were rumors that he didn't want to be there and he wouldn't play if he went there and then he gets drafted there and he has a great year. You know, he, he still might, not might not be there yeah, yet. I was going to say, I was gonna say he still he might not be there, still might not want to be there but a team, he the team didn't care, they took a chance and you know, kind of you could say it benefited both of them, so
2: what do you think about that? Like, I know that this is kind of a concept, especially on Twitter of players rejecting interviews or making it known that they don't want to play for someone, a certain team or a coach or a player. Like, like what's your thought on that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm a little torn um, because me being a college basketball player, but also a guy that, you know, play 2k. I think it just comes down to, you know, perspective right like for me i would think that nobody would want to burn bridges or you know do anything like that because it could come back to hurt you in the long run right Uh, but Mm -hmm. there's also some guys who have the mindset of i want to control where my destiny and i want to make sure i'm in the spot that i want to be at and i respect that as well
2: honestly um I mean, NFL example, Eli Manning, right? <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons why I always don't like him because I think that it's like you're not above the game where you can be like I don't want to play somewhere and, and if you draft me I'm not going to play like to me yeah. that's almost like spitting on everyone else who's striving to reach that.
3: Uh, yeah, it, it is. There's no sugarcoat. <laughs> that is you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Um, But also just from a player's side and the way things are these days where you look at the players and they want more control and you can't really like can't argue that so much because you understand they want to do what's best for them and their families and they want to be in the best situation possible. And sometimes it it works out for them and sometimes it bites them in the butt, you know, like.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lord of no rings has no rings and Eli has (laughs) two. So clearly his decision worked out. Right. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, And you're almost gambling
3: on yourself a little bit. Right. The guys, I feel like the the players and the guys who make those decisions, they're they're taking a chance on themselves. They're saying, well, if I'm in this position, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to do well. I'm going to win and things will be in your favor. But if things go opposite. Now you're screwed because, listen, say you. okay. I didn't take the Kings interview. You think they're going to want to pick you up now? Absolutely not. Like, And he didn't say nice things about you to other teams? Yeah. And, like, I can't put in a word for you either. Like, you denied my interview. So now, like, say you wanted to go to the Blazers or something and say I have a good connection with the Blazers. Like, I, I couldn't help you out there. I couldn't reach out to Cameron and be like, hey, man, this guy, you know, had a great interview. He's a great kid. You denied my interview. You didn't want to play, like this and that. I can't help you there. So, at the same time of, you're controlling your own destiny, which I'm cool for. You also just got to know in the process, you may or may not, you know, burn some bridges or hurt yourself and hurt some connections that you could have made. I think there's a, I think there's a professional way to do it. I think you take the interview, but you kind of just be straight up with them and be like, hey, man, like this is not my. Is not the best place for me in my opinion. Um but at the end of the day, like, you know, if it comes down to it, I'll gladly, you know, play for you and do this and that. I think there's different ways to go about it. Um, but that goes down goes down to just professionalism and experience. And some players in this league don't have don't have either, and some some do. Some have worked jobs, some have, you know, played sports for a very long time. Those things matter in this
2: situation a little bit. So, absolutely. I mean, when I was looking at the situation, I started to hear about it. You know, I'm from the school of every conversation is a chance. It's you know, you want to have as many conversations, and yeah, maybe you take the interview, and you maybe make well, like not that open. You're not giving that responsive. You kind of let it know you don't want to be there, but you don't totally disrespect them. You don't make it feel like you're better than them. And yeah. it's all about honesty. And I think at the end of the day, a team doesn't want to play, doesn't want to be there either. So if you're doing an interview and it's like a blah interview because you don't want to be there, you took the time, you you know answered what you want, but you weren't super enthusiastic. And You weren't like, oh, I'd love to come there and I can't wait to be in Sacramento and play with these guys. And <laughs> you know, I've always looked up to the way you coach things. And you can tell the enthusiasm from someone who wants to be something and someone who doesn't. And I think at the end of the day, know, what you alluded to, it's really about being a professional. Like, does it really hurt you to take that interview and to keep that door open? Because who knows what's going to happen? I mean, two years ago, did I ever envision Mama being traded anywhere from the Blazers? Not a (laughs) chance. But, you know, fast forward two years later after MVP season and then a remote season, he's in Sacramento. So I think that the unpredictability of you know sports in general and even more so of this league where you don't have salary cap implications and trading is a bit more flexible than it might be in traditional sports you have no idea where you're going to end up next or you know a team goes a different way because these two players want to be with each other and they don't want you or You know, it's just like, okay. well, I think there's going to be someone better than him in the draft pool and he's our friend. So it's there's a lot of backdoor dynamics where, you know, as you said, if you start closing all the doors, there might just not be anything open for you.
3: Yeah. And uh, that definitely I've seen that happen a few times, Um, especially with like maybe not so much like the top players in the league. uh, But, you know, you look at some of the secondary guys. Um, some of the role player type guys who might feel like they're stars and maybe have denied some interviews here and there, um, and now they don't get retained by their team, and now they're looking around like, "Oh crap, you know, mm-hmm. what do I do now? Where do I go from here? Who's gonna draft me? Who wants me?" Um, if you denied ten interviews, twelve interviews, to have to you, leave. Just, you just cut half the half of your chances on on making it back. You know, um, star players, you know, it's a little. <laughs> It's a little iffy. They can get away with it a little bit more, you know. But if you're a guy that's kind of borderline or a role player, uh, I'm telling you now, it's probably not in your best <laughs> best interest to deny interviews. Like I said, there's there's ways to go about it. There's ways to be clear and professional about how what you want for for yourself. But at the end of the day, it's all it's all about connections. It's
2: all about who you know. Um, so don't hurt your chances by doing anything like that. Right. It's like everyone that's listening, read between the lines. (laughs) This is very important. The way you interact with not only who you want to play with, but who you don't want to play with. Because, you know, as we see in traditional sports, a coach may be a coach of one team and next year he's coaching another one. While this coaching carousel hasn't really translated to, you know, the 2K League at this point, sooner than later, there will be personnel changes. There will be, new people that maybe were foreign players coming into new roles. Yeah, maybe I can definitely see that. So when you start burning bridges and start treating, you know, it really kind of comes to a respect thing where it's like, you don't respect the opportunity that I want to talk to you, that, you know, you don't think that that is a valuable use of your time. And, you know, chances are you're probably wrong because every conversation will have some benefit. Because right. even if you go in a conversation, you don't want to go there. If you leave as a coach, like, wow, that was an amazing interview. This kid's great. Da-da-da-da. Like, you're always going to have that feeling about him. So even yeah. if he doesn't come to you, you're never going to be like, oh, yeah, that kid spurned me. Like, you don't want to mess with him. Exactly. So That's, that's 100%. And I've, I've experienced both sides. I've
3: experienced guys to straight deny. I've experienced um, guys who took the interview but kind of let it be known. That you know, it's probably not my best interest to to be with you guys. And they told me it's nothing against you or the team. I just strongly feels like he's not a good fit, and I respect that. Like from a player,
2: from they a don't even know what a the good coach, fit.
3: Yeah, and, and a lot of times they don't. But it's more just how they how they feel about it. At the end of the day, you know, like they probably want to come to a situation. They feel comfortable off off the jump, you know. And Mm -hmm. who am I to say they're wrong for that? But you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, you know, some of these guys learn. If they don't, and sorry,
2: right? It's next man up theory. There's so many people (laughs) that want this opportunity, and I remember during season one are in the league. Yeah, I remember during season one when you know some of the players, even that I was talking with, were like, "Oh yeah, like nobody wants to go to this team, or no one's trying to talk to this." And, you know, it was the Blazers. And lo and behold, season one, the Blazers were the best team. (laughs) It was not even a contest. And I had a bunch of people that I was talking to. Oh, we don't know Cameron. We don't know what that's about. And lo and behold, three years later, they're one of the winningest teams in the league. They, you know, had MVPs both seasons, multiple all-team players, all-defensive. And, you know, clearly people have to be a bit more open because, you can't really know what you don't know. You can't speculate yeah. on things, yeah. and yeah. you know, just because you're really good in the retail version doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to playing on the stage or playing in the two K week build. That is fact, sir. That is definitely true. That is so. definitely true. So, you know, let's kind of shift to the happier stuff. So, what's your favorite part of the job?
3: Oh man, um, there's a lot you know from being part of an NBA organization you know getting to go to the games as a team getting to you know being in some positions talk to some people that you would have never had the uh the opportunity to um if it wasn't for this job um but for me personally just it's competing like I live for competing I I at some point of every, in every day of my everyday life I'm at some point competing in some whether I'm playing the game uh, in the afternoon or I'm going to uh, my high school practice, I'm having shooting competitions with some of the players on the team, uh, whatever it is, like that, I live for that stuff. Huh? And just the preparation for the game. Like I, I love all those things, you know, creating the game plans, watching film, um, trying to be the best, you know, the best team in the league, trying to be the best coach in the league. Um all of those things just the, the competing aspect um is definitely the best
2: part for me awesome so what does the future hold where, where do you go from here
3: um as far as what
2: in, in terms of everything you can you're looking to continue being a coach you're working on you know more some off-court work
3: yeah no i definitely okay well i think for me you know i i love what i'm doing right now um The 2K League has been an amazing, amazing opportunity. It's an amazing league ran by amazing people um, that really just want to see it grow. And I want to be a part of it, 100%. And uh, I'm hoping this can turn into... Because there's still a little unknown. Like, I'm just being honest. There's there's still a little unknown with the 2K League. It's new, you know... How much can it grow? How much will it grow? And I think it's kind of on us to help help that. It's on the players to build their brand, to get more eyes on the league and themselves. It's on the GMs and the coaches to to do the same um, all the way up to uh, bD, you know he's doing his job to bring sponsors in, to bring new teams in. Um, I want I just the future for me is I, I want to see this league grow, and I want to make sure I'm a part of it for however long it's here and for for however long I can coach, you know, so uh,
2: that's it for me right now. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, the point you bring up is the league is just so, it's just a new thing. It's really in its infancy where it needs all hands on deck, where they're really, you have the players, the teams, the coaches, and all the personnel trying to build themselves, which thus brings up the league because they're affiliated with it. Right.
3: Yeah. And, uh, I don't have huge esports experience as far as like League of Legends and all these other things. And I don't know how they started um, or how you can compare it to or how old they are. I really don't know. And I should probably do some research on that. But being in its only fourth season um, and coming off, I feel like best case scenario in a COVID year, right? Like,
2: yeah, getting on 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 ESPN 2 was a huge (laughs) game changer.
3: I, I had people telling me, hey, man, like, I saw you, I was at the bar and I saw you on ESPN doing a little a interview. <laughs> like, I couldn't even imagine that, right? Like, right, the conversation's changing. Yeah, we're going into our fourth season. now. I know COVID might have helped speed that up, speed that process up, but, you know, it's huge. Like, third year, going into its fourth, we're on ESPN, ESPN2, uh, Twitch, YouTube, and now, you know, the team with B D and all those guys they're getting views doing I think uh what international I what it's stuff. Yeah, um ten with, cent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, with India was, and China. Yeah, and-, and now a new one in India. Uh all those things are huge, man. And it just brings more eyes to it and you know, hopefully it just keeps growing every year. That's I'm sure that's the goal for everyone, right? Grow, <laughs> mm-hmm. take one step, couple steps every year and you know, you never know. One of these years, it might just blow up completely, and, and now it's 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 a win for everybody. Coaches are making more money, players are making more money, the league is making more money, um, and it's just more exposure for everybody. Hopefully, everybody can make a career off this and help their help feed their families. That's the that's the end goal.
2: Sure. So I I really like to end every episode with my three questions. So, what's your favorite game to watch?
3: Um, that's tough right now. Okay, I, I won't lie. Right now, I'm loving watching Warzone, if we're talking video games. Yes. Warzone, Nick Merckx is a great watch. That's one of, like... Okay. I, I feel a little nerdy watching it.
2: No, no. Nick like, Merckx, I'm, like, he's, you know, he's like, top flight. That's
3: what I'm saying. But, like, his personality, and he kind of has, like, a sports background. Um, He's a... I, I usually watch him during the day. Like, if I'm doing some work, I'll have him on, like, in the background. I'll, I'll watch some Twitch. Call of Duty has been... The war zone aspect has been pretty dope for me. Um and then obviously you have the league tor- the league tourneys in 2K have been great too. Like I love seeing these guys fight for they're fighting for league positions. And that's literally the top of the top. I it's better than watching a WR finals for me, um, where you can make almost like 14k in, in a pot, right? I love I love watching the league tourneys right now. Um, so that's really all my time on on Twitch is watching a little Call of Duty and then these League tourneys every night.
2: So, awesome. So, what's your favorite game to play? I think I have a feeling I know what it is.
3: <laughs> definitely, definitely 2K. Even though it pisses me off sometimes,
2: don't get me all wrong. All of us. There's more comments it like oh, 2K. Like that's <laughs> yeah. just like the common like Ah, 2K. Yeah,
3: you blame the game. If you struggle, you blame the game, right? Like, I didn't uh, mean to
2: shoot that
3: exactly i didn't i pressed the button but i didn't mean to you know <laughs> uh but outside of that um honestly warzone man i i play with, i play with friends um okay. rl friends uh we play a lot of warzone during the day after work and stuff uh it's that's honestly competitive it's it's super competitive um so, I guess I'll stick with that. A little bit of, I throw a little Madden in there because it's the football season.
4: Mm-hmm. I,
3: I tend to, when I was younger, I tended to play whatever was in season. Uh, so, going back to like MLB The Show and like the earlier MLB games when like Manny Ramirez was on the Red Sox, like back in the day, hmm. Like, I was playing that during the baseball season. And then during the football season, I played Madden and, you know, basketball season and play some 2K. So, uh, a little bit of Madden right now, 2K and uh, and Call of Duty. That's my rotation.
2: Okay, so you know who's your favorite video game character? You know Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. Ooh,
3: that's tough. That's tough. Um, and I hate that. I'm probably I hate <laughs> this answer. I'm gonna give this answer, but
2: it's Mario, man. <laughs> I mean, Mario's a classic. There's, he's iconic. He's great. Like, there's nothing wrong with him and there's two reasons one because
3: i'm not gonna lie like i pretty much only play sport games (laughs) so i don't have a huge background on like a lot of like you know character type video games and then two actually uh what's that game called raymond or uh does that sound right raymond or ramon raymond Uh, i don't know Oh, never mind but <laughs> we i played a game back in the day and i think it was called rain but anyways mario uh the second reason was i grew up playing mario yeah like mario Kart, super mario like, like all day every day um even on the old like um, I f- the game boys like yep. <laughs> straight mario all day every day that was the first kind of game that got me into the into the whole gaming thing so I'm sure right. everybody gives that answer.
2: But... I mean, Mario is great. We definitely have the <laughs> Master Chief. That's definitely a common one from Halo. Oh,
3: Halo. Yeah, that's a good one,
2: too. Well, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, yeah, best way
3: um, is just on Twitter, at delay 2 k um, or even IG. Uh, shoot me a follow on IG, I'll get back to you. It's DJLayton23.
2: Um, so yeah, that was the best way to get to, to get in touch with me. Awesome. So you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q and check Apple Podcast for all our past episodes.